The scripture reading this morning will be from the 119th Psalm. If you'd like to read along in your Bible. This uh, 119th Psalm is the longest psalm that we have recorded. Uh, Actually, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, the way we have it divided today. Uh, This psalm is is an expression of David's appreciation, uh, actually a celebration for the gift of God's word that he's left with us, his uh, written word. We'll begin reading at uh, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I, have, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Good morning, church family. It is so good to be here this morning. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting today, you're in a good place. You're with great people. And you're always welcome in the services here at Savannah Church of Christ. And surely hope that today won't be your only uh, opportunity to come out and participate in worship with us. It's small group Sunday. And I hope that if, if you're not involved in a small group, that, that you would consider getting involved in one. There are a number of them that are going to meet after services this morning. Uh, there will be a group of folks who meet here tonight at 6 o'clock, if that's your preference. But uh, one preacher made the case this way. He said, uh, circles are better than lines. In other words, in lines we come in and we worship, we offer up our worship to God. But his point was, it's in those circles that we form and those relationships that we build. That's what helps us as we help each other go to heaven. And so I hope you're involved in some way if that's something that you're open to. Next Sunday, as as was mentioned already, we will start uh, the story. And I hope you have your copy. I think Debbie... Uh, mentioned in Bible class this morning, she's got one copy left, but more are on the way. So if you don't have your copy, uh, it is the church's desire to make sure that every family has one, at least a copy of the, the story that we'll be considering. And so if you don't have yours, uh, please make sure that you uh, work in that direction. And so since we begin that next Sunday... I thought today might be appropriate to kind of get us set up for that, to do an introduction, to get us excited, to get us better informed, uh, to kind of help us all be on the same page about what this church is going to work on for the next 31 weeks. And so I thought that's what we would do this morning. Now I want to begin by introducing you or telling you about my friend Amy. She's not here, I'm not going to introduce her that way. Uh, But last Sunday, uh, after services, I made my way back to Florence, and I met my family, and I met Amy and her family for lunch, and and Amy's 
Those people, uh, every time we get together, and we've known them, some of our oldest friends from Russellville, we've traveled together, vacationed together, all these sorts of things. And so we sit down at the table, and as soon as we settle in, my first question for Amy is always, do you have any new stories to tell? Because Amy, and you may have a friend like this, you may be this friend to somebody, but Amy is one of these people who always, things happen to her that just don't happen to other people. And some of the things that happen to her are hilarious. And you couldn't make them up and you couldn't walk into situations like she gets herself into. So some of them are funny and some of them sometimes are kind of tough, but she's always got a story. And in case you're wondering, I did tell her that she was in the intro this morning, so she knows that I'm talking about her uh, right now. Um, In the world of philanthropy and fundraising, uh, things like that, my my day job, if you will, uh, when you think about raising money for mission work or for any kind of a charity, uh, you can take facts and figures... And you can make a very objective case for the reason that it would make sense to invest in a ministry or to invest in a mission. And, and, and a lot of times that resonates with me because I'm an accountant by background. And so facts and figures, you know, objective numbers are supposed to speak to me. But see, the thing you understand over time in trying to get people involved in a ministry, while you can make an objective case with numbers, if you want to move somebody's heart... It takes a story. A story is what gets somebody emotionally connected to whatever the mission is or the ministry is. You may work for a company where they've talked to you about they want to make sure you have an elevator speech. In other words, for our company, for the place you work, can you talk about who you are, what you do, and why it's important? Because being able to explain to somebody your work is a part of your company's story, your corporate story, if you would. And then I'll leave you with one more in the world of sports. You think about the Olympics. There's some of the sports that they play in the Olympics that really aren't all that interesting. And I think they realize that. And so one of the things they do to connect us is they share some really, really compelling stories. And so before the event, they're going to share with you the story of an athlete, and, and it's a story maybe of overcoming the odds, or it's a, a, a story of overcoming poverty, and it's a story of hard work, and it's a story of dedication. And so by the time they telecast that event, you're connected in a way to that athlete, and you want to see that person do well. And the reason you want them to do well, it is about country, but you know their story. Last fall, about a year ago, college game day, they did a feature on Amari Cooper. And of course he played at Alabama, and you don't have to be an Alabama fan, you don't have to be a fan of a certain team to respect a player that's really good. Well, he's really good. Well, they did a feature on him, and after they talked about, and you got to know him, and you got to know his work ethic, and you got to know where he came from, and he talked about... You know, when I'm out there in July and there's no TV cameras on me and it's really hot and it's really miserable, he he talked about the things that he was focused on and the things that he was thinking about. And so by the time they finished that story, you like that guy better than you ever did before. And, And the place that I'm going with this this morning is that God uses stories too. And and if you think about what God has done, there is this story that He's written and this story that continues. And one of the things that we've got to remember 
And one of the things that we're going to be focused on as we go through this is that all of us have a role in this great story that belongs to God. What is your story? You know, most of us in the room this morning, most of us are Christians. Most of us have made that commitment to be Jesus followers where we've surrendered our lives to Christ. And so if I'm already a Christian, uh, as of now, right now, am I prepared to be able to share my story of faith and my journey of coming to Christ and my, 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 my knowledge of how that connects to what God is trying to do in this world? Can I tell somebody that? Can I share that with somebody? Because there are people in this room, some of you have some amazing stories. Some of you have that amazing, I'm so glad that God didn't give up on me story where there were some things in life that were really hard and really difficult and some really dark days, but for some reason God didn't give up and for some reason He gave you time and because of that you stand in front of Him today as a faithful Christian. You know, others of you in the room, your story may be more like mine, a lot less flashy. You know, I grew up going to church. I've been in, there, there's never been a time in my life when I cannot remember not being in church because from the day I can remember anything, being in church was a part of that. And that's how I grew up. And at some point I realized that I needed to be a Christian and I had some nervous nights and some nervous invitation songs where even as a young guy I'm realizing that, hey, God is expecting something of me. And so finally I made that commitment. And so I'd been in church and I became a Christian and I'm still in church and it's not all that flashy. But because of that, I'm, my thought process is this. We're getting ready to step back, and we're getting ready to look at God's big plan and kind of look at it in a chronological way, and I think there's value there because some of us have been around this for a long, long time, and so maybe this is going to give us some fresh perspective, and I think there's value in that. I brought my first Bible with me today. Really, it's falling apart. But this is the first Bible that my mama and daddy gave me. They, they gave me this one on my fifth birthday. I went through a time where I was into label making, and I've got a little purple label on here that I put with my name. That's how I engraved it at one point. And it's the old King James Version, and so they gave me this Bible. And, and I can remember as a young guy, I'm, I, I'd try to read my Bible at times, and, and I don't remember how old I was, but I was pretty young, and I realized that in a lot of ways, some of this was kind of hard to understand. Genesis chapter 3, this is what verse 9 and following say. Imagine reading this as a young child. And the Lord God called unto Adam and say, said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. You know, I wanted to read my Bible. And I realized that there were some things that were maybe kind of hard, some of the wording. And, and, and today I'm thankful that we have some translations that sound more like we talk in 2015. 
And I'm thankful for that. But even though we've got translations that maybe are easier to understand, you know, oftentimes there's still some tension for us. Now, you may or may not still have your first Bible, but the people who've studied it and the people who've surveyed us say that on average we all have about four. All of us have about four Bibles in our possession. But then some other people did some surveying and they concluded that 41% of people say, while I may have my four Bibles, I never read any of them. But then some other surveys were done and one survey concluded that it may not be to a lack of desire because many Americans have on their bucket list one of the things they want to get done before they die, the idea of, I want to read the Bible all the way through. What would make that challenging? We're used to reading novels. Books where you pick up a book and you begin and you're introduced to some characters and there's some conflict uh, inserted into the narrative and and they work to overcome the conflict and something major occurs and, and in the end usually there's some kind of a happy ending. That's, you know, a novel takes us, it walks us through a story. Movies are often like that. And sometimes we'll run into maybe a movie that isn't like that and it can really create some frustration. You know, maybe it's Friday night, it's been a long week of work and you're tired and so you want to rent a movie or go to the movie and you want to see a story that kind of takes you away and the movie starts and you immediately know there's a problem because they start introducing this plot line and that plot line and and we've said it at home and, you know, we'll start a movie and say, oh man, this is going to be tough. I don't know if I can follow this. I'm going to get lost. And that's not what you want on a Friday night after a long week of work. Now, I'm not saying the Bible is like one of those movies. But if you've been around the Bible much, you realize that if you start in Genesis and you just start reading your way through to Revelation, you're not reading God's story in a chronological way because you start, even the creation, you've got Genesis 1, and then in Genesis 2, we're retelling the creation already. And so there's, there's jumping around. Let me illustrate this way for you. Remember David's troubles in 2 Samuel 11 and 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 11 is uh, the Bathsheba problem. There's lust and then there's um, adultery and there's a child and there's an attempted cover-up and there's murder and all these things go on. And it finally takes Nathan the prophet to get David's attention. Nathan comes in and says, hey, I'm going to tell you this story. And David gets enraged and Nathan says, you're the man... If you've studied the Bible, you understand that Psalm 51 is David's lament about that incident. Create in me a clean heart, O God. David confesses and he goes through all of this in Psalm 51. And and so what if in Scripture, what if you're reading 2 Samuel 11 and 12 and then immediately as you come out of that, you're reading Psalm 51? See, the idea behind the story is Scripture. But what they've done is they've tried to arrange the narrative of Scripture so that we're reading it in a more chronological way. That's really what it boils down to. Let me explain some things about the book 
some things that we'll be getting into. Obviously, God creates in the Bible a story of perfection and of relationship. And Adam and Eve, they reject that. They, they declare their independence from God in a sense. And so, from that point on, it's God's pre-planned plan for having a way back to Him. And it's all pointing to what will happen when Jesus returns and we're in heaven one day and we're in that perfect relationship with God again. The book that we're going to be noticing, 31 chapters, and each of those chapters is 10 to 12 pages long. In other words, what they've done is they've designed the story to be an easy read from, from our young people all the way through our adults. It's one of those where I can read 10 to 12 pages between now and next Sunday. And that's the idea. Everybody in the family can read 10 to 12 pages between now and next Sunday. And the chapters, they're going to read more like a novel. You're not going to see verse numbers in there. It's going to read more like a novel. And there's an index in the back, so you can read those 10 to 12 pages, and then you can go to the index, and you can notice exactly which chapters of the Bible you've been reading, and then if you prefer to go back and read those out of your regular translation, and I'd even encourage you to do that. That's, that, that it works that way. Next week's lesson, lesson one, it's going to cover Genesis 1 through 4 and Genesis 6 through 9. That's the section of the Bible that we'll be noticing next week. The last chapter of the story, chapter 31, it reminds us that God's story hasn't ended yet. It's ongoing. In other words, until Jesus comes back, until Jesus takes us home to be with Him one day, we're all involved in an ongoing, in a continuing story. And we all have a role. There are some themes and concepts that are going to run through uh, the study that we're going to engage in. We're going to be noticing that as God has people in the Bible, as God talks about characters, uh, they're going to take on one of two roles. And, and we understand this, we just don't always talk about it in these terms. But there will be the, the role of the protagonist. In other words, the protagonist, he is uh, the leader, the uh, proponent, the supporter of a good cause. In other words, uh, you know, there will be good guys in the Bible. And then the other role is the role of the antagonist, the, the guy who's against whatever's trying to be accomplished. Uh, so you can think good guys, bad guys, and, and people will be portrayed that way. And we need to remember that God uses both to accomplish His sovereign will. And I want to illustrate that. If you've got your Bible, open it to the book of Acts. And I want you to think about Saul, the apostle born out of due season. Saul, who was... you know, Jesus gets his attention in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. But you think about where Paul's Saul at that point is introduced... Well, notice Acts 1 verse 8, because this is Jesus talking uh, to the apostles right before the ascension, and He talks about His plan. He says in verse 8, "...but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be My witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria." even to the remotest part of the earth. In other words, the idea is the Word, the good news, the idea that God will save people. I want this news to go to Judea, to Samaria, to the remotest part of the earth. The news needs to travel. Turn to Acts chapter 8 verse 1. In Acts chapter 8, we're being introduced to Saul. 
First sentence, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. That's the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And you remember in Scripture it says there in Acts 7 that the people are laying their cloaks at, a, at the feet of a young man named Saul. And so Saul is in agreement with putting Stephen to death. Then the Bible says, and on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. In other words, Saul in his persecution of the church and others who are persecuting the church, the effect of that, they're doing bad, but God is using them to accomplish His purpose of making sure that the good news... If you want to spread the good news out, you spread the Christians out and the Christians are being spread through these areas. Then turn to Acts chapter 26. In Acts 9, Saul has been in, Jesus has gotten his attention, road to Damascus, he's converted, his name's eventually changed to Paul. And so by Acts 26, when he's making his defense before Agrippa, he says in verse 19, So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those at Damascus first, and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. And so Saul, as an antagonist, as a bad guy, he's actively spreading out the Christians. Actually, he's helping God accomplish God's work. But then, after he's converted as a good guy, he's still involved in accomplishing exactly what God wants him to accomplish. Antagonist, protagonist. The story also introduces a concept that, that we understand and uh, maybe we don't put it in these words from time to time, but it introduces the concept of a lower story, the, the idea that there are people and there are nations, there's you, there's me, we're living life down here on earth. Uh, we're, we're living lives where sometimes we struggle and sometimes we're, we're living life trying to pay our bills and we're, and we're trying to put food on our table and we're trying to make our way through this life. And it's one of those things where in this lower story, sometimes things go wrong and sometimes we get hurt. And, and it's sometimes the, there is this ability for us to get so bogged down that maybe we miss out on God's presence and His plan. And so that's the theme of the lower story. And then it's also going to remind us of the theme of the upper story. In other words, the idea that God is real and that God is present and that God is still looking for a relationship with you and with me. His love is constant. His grace is always available to us. And God is weaving all of this together to arrive at the destination that He had pre-planned from the very beginning. The idea that one day... His people would be gathered to Him and we'd spend eternity with Him forever in heaven. And so when you think about upper story and you think about lower story and you think about God weaving these things together, those two themes maybe help us better understand a passage like Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know, for all things work together for good to those who love God. You know, sometimes when things aren't going really well, that, that verse can be a bit of a head-scratcher. Think about Joseph. And you think about how Joseph illustrates this concept. God, He wants His people in Egypt. 
There's a famine. And in Egypt, his people can be fed because he's planned that direction. In Egypt, they can keep the lineage pure because there's not going to be a danger of, of Egyptians wanting to intermarry in with a bunch of shepherds. And so... He's going to get his people to Egypt, but he's going to use a guy named Joseph to help make this happen. And Joseph, his lower story, his life, pretty rough at times. In fact, if Romans 8.28, if that had been penned, if that had been Scripture, if that had been something that, that Joseph had had access to in his day, there might have been some days in Joseph's life where he'd read that verse and kind of scratched his head and wondered, okay... God, I'm not really with you all the way here. I'm not really sure how me being in a pit, and I'm not really sure how me having to run away from this woman, and I'm not sure how me being left in jail, I'm not sure how all these things really are going to work out. But see, Joseph always kept his focus on God. And see, one of the questions that will come up over and over will be, am I going to align my life in this lower story? Am I going to align my life with what God is trying to accomplish as He weaves it all together? And so that will be another one of the concepts that we'll look at. And we ask this every week in one way or another anyway, but it's the idea, the self-exam concept of alignment. Every day of my life is about getting up and trying to align my life with what God's plan is and what with God has said He wants from me. And so as we get ready to sing the song today that Bradley has selected, and yes, I'm getting done a little early today because I've gotten done late a few times. But I'm going to ask you several questions and they lead off with two words. Would you? The idea, would you, would you consider, would you commit to? Number one, would you talk to your friends about the story? Because some of them are going to know about this study. And some of them, maybe some of those folks who have on their bucket list the idea that I, I want to get through the entire Bible. I want to read through the Bible before I die. You know, they might be wide open to the idea that this would be a really good time to connect with the Savannah Church of Christ because of what we're going to be studying. So would you talk to your friends about the story? Number two, would you keep your heart open to hearing God's message? See, as I mentioned earlier, some of us, we've been around this book for so long and we've, we've considered it for so long, it's so easy to take it for granted. And I can't speak for you, but I still believe there's going to be value for us if we'll keep our, our hearts and our minds open to hearing God's message as we step back and as we look at what He's trying to accomplish and we're reminded of everything that went into that, I believe there's going to be value there. See, one of the, one of the great things... It's always great to be together with the church family. And one of the exciting things about being a family is we got all these people together and some are new Christians. Some have just become Christians. Some of us have been Christians longer than we can remember not being Christians. And it's this idea that we're all family and we're all cleansed by the blood of Christ, but we're all on this journey and we're all at different places in our walk and in our faith and we're trying to grow. And so like anything we do... This study may be of more value to some than others. But I firmly believe that if we'll keep our hearts and our minds open, we can be blessed through this. Number three, would you just simply commit to reading each chapter? Ten to twelve pages. Everybody in the family can do that. And they can be a great challenge at home. Mom, have you read your pages yet? Dad, have you read your pages yet? I mean, you can have some fun with this. Ten to twelve pages isn't much. Number four, would you allow alignment 
to, be a, to become a key self-exam concept as we go through this. And again, we ask that one way or another most weeks, but as I read through this, thinking in terms of, am I aligning my life with God's plan? Number five, would you be excited about the power that, that comes with the entire congregation being in, engaged in a group study? This is a loving church. And we talk about our desire to grow in love and we, we talk about our desire to grow in unity. My belief is when you put everybody on the same page thinking about the same things and trying to study the same part of Scripture, if that doesn't help us grow in love and that doesn't help us grow in unity, anytime you get a group of people on the same page, good things happen. And then finally, number six, would you pray? about the good that can be accomplished for the kingdom here in Savannah through this study, in the congregation and within the community. Those are my challenges for you today, and I'm appreciative that you always allow me to challenge you when we study. We're going to sing the song that's been selected, and the question of the morning would be, is your alignment, you know, is your life in alignment with God's story today? Because in one sense, we know the story. You're not going to, you understand what God wants in most cases. If you're not in alignment today, what needs to change? It's not God's plan. It may be you, it may be me that need to make a change. Maybe your desire is to have one of the shepherds pray for you. Us as a congregation pray together over you, and we're happy to do that. Maybe it's something where you simply need to approach one of the shepherds after services this morning and have a conversation and, and allow them to pray with you in private. They're, they're ready to do that. They're happy to do that with you and for you. Maybe you're here today... And you've not really, you know, your story is right now, if God looked at my life, He would have to regard me as a bad guy, as an antagonist. I've been going to church, but I've never made the commitment. I've not surrendered my life to Him. I'm not yet a Christian. Maybe that's where you are today. Why not begin next week and begin this study as a child of God? If you're ready to make that commitment today and be baptized into Christ for the of your sins, we'd love to assist you in your obedience. If you have a need, let that be known while we stand and while we sing. Jesus, it is the